Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Today I would like to welcome back Rebecca. Rebecca, welcome back. Hi Bryn, good this to be here. Third conversation. Um for let's just place you quickly for those who haven't listened to the last two podcasts that we've done together. Do you want to just um, give us a quick who are you and how do you end up being here today? Oh, okay. <laughs> how do we encapsulate all of those aspects of self? Uh, I'm Rebecca Dawson, obviously. Uh, people know me as a channeler, a speaker, an author. I write about new systems and awareness of consciousness. I'm born and bred in Perth. I travel all over the place talking about new ways of looking at things. Awesome. That covers it. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to dive more into that story, go back to the first podcast. <laughs> so there we go. Um, so you've recently put written and put out a book. Um, is this your first book? It's actually my fourth book. Fourth book. Yeah. Okay. Um, where did this come from? Oh, well, it came from deep within the void space within me. Yes. <laughs> so do you mean the subject matter or how yeah, was well, the no, information it source? Deep, it came deep within the void space within you. Yes. So it was actually... Did it bubble up? Yes. It was actually presented as a series of eight seminars. Yep. Uh, over six months in 2020. Yep. Uh, and it really dives into the principles of our magnetic functioning mm. and how humanity is shifting from an electrical based system of operation back into a magnetic core principle. Yes. And how that aligns with natural laws and practices. And we're going to get into that <laughs> in a bit. Um, so it's called Foo. Elaborate on that. Yeah, it's an interesting word, isn't it? Because when. It's very simple, isn't it? It is. Foo. It is very simple and it came through in the first, uh, the first set of lectures that we did on it and it was a word that uh, the team of masters that I channel were using to describe the principle of the magnetic resonance mm. and functionality of the human form. I didn't really know what foo meant and what's interesting about it is that when you hear the word foo inside yourself, like mm. if you hear it within mm. as a thought, it feels very, very different to how it feels when you hear it spoken. And to me, that was a huge clue. Yes. Because what it tells us is that there is a resonance for sound and truth within that's very different to the language that we use. Yes. And I had to go and actually research and find out, well, what, what does foo mean? Is there any reference to it in our own history? And what I found was that it's it's um, a word that's used, it's one of the I Ching combinations in Chinese divination. Right. And it essentially means to return. Hmm. And I love that because the whole principle of magnetic energy is that it always returns back. It does. To where it began. We remember our physics lessons at school <laughs> where you put a magnet underneath a piece of paper and put the iron filings. It always has those lovely circular, almost like, the seed of an apple going out yes. and round and back. Toroidal, mm. right. But what I love about the sense of foo is that rather than it going out and back around this way, I tend to feel it like a leaning back into ah, self. Right. And to me, it's a very different movement. Hmm. Yeah. 
So to write this book, the information comes from the void. It's delivered over a series of lectures. Mm -hmm. And as we've talked about, you've channeled it in. But even still, you're the vessel that brought it here. So you must be now a vessel that carries an amount of wisdom. Well, actually, I love that you just said that <laughs> because I've been exploring a new way of looking at actually how we carry wisdom these mm. days. And what I've come to is that we have this strong belief that our bodies are storage devices hmm. and that we can store and contain information. And when we talk about that, we usually talk about absorbing information yes. or wisdom from external sources. Yes. And we keep them in here. Hmm. We store them either in cellular memory or in our minds or subconscious. But I'm starting to feel more into the truth that actually we're void spaces. Mm. that information comes out of into the world and becomes manifest. So mm. in that, I feel as if the more conscious we become, the less we naturally want to store wisdom and information and knowledge, and the more we want to be open to what's available in this moment, what's available in this moment, because our memory and information informs so much about what we experience right now yes. that we actually miss what is happening right now. Hmm. We're usually looking at things retrospectively instead of being present to the miracle that's unfolding in the moment. And that would tie in with, which is a large, probably one of the major parts of the book, which is that our electrical-based systems are systems of control and repetition. Right. Is that correct? Right, where we send and receive information. Yes. Like so do you want to just a data circuit. Elaborate on that a little bit for a listener that's coming into this. Obviously I don't need you to cover the book because you can go and <laughs> sure. buy it and read it. Sure. Um, but just to position someone and then mm. we'll come back to this as a void space. Okay. So when you asked me just before about, you know, do I have all of this wisdom? Carrying wisdom, yes. I would say that I don't because I'd say the more conscious I become, the less I carry and the more open I am for things to flow. So it's really from. interesting. Uh, yesterday, that was the most important question I had to ask you today. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and it's interesting because I was um, just sharing with a friend yesterday that I came to a point probably about five years ago, maybe six years ago, where I realized that there was so much amazing information that was coming out in mm. the channelings and the lectures that I was giving. But I would have an inability to continue to bring out new views and perspectives if I actually held on to any of the information. Yes. So if I held on to it and created beliefs out of it and stored it in me as this is you know, my content or this is the truth. Yes. That it would almost clog oh, yeah. up my system. Rebecca's word <laughs> or the truth. Exactly. We hear a lot of people talking about that. That exactly. And so then I wouldn't be able to access more and yes. more and more. And that's You'd be the a flow. clogged pipe, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's <laughs> the foo. And so um, and so I really have to be willing to to burn anything that comes through 
So yes. I bring it through, I express it, I communicate it, I share with whoever feels they want to engage with yep. it, and then do with it what you will, I'm on to the next. And then that will go into somebody else that then cycles round exactly. for them to let it go. Exactly. And some people want to hold on to it and create something with it. Fantastic. But for me, I'm really focused on what else, what else, what else, what else. So I don't attach mm. to any of the information because that's when we start generating those beliefs. And I know we, we were talking a little bit about beliefs earlier. Mm. So in terms of the electrical system of how we operate within this world and how we've understood ourselves as electric beings that's very that's very specific to a third and fourth dimensional reality where we're points on a circuit board and we have to build up charge mm. and donate energy in order to keep things running and yes. moving so yeah. just as a ball runs along the floor you know you put energy into the ball transfers it into the ball yeah. and the ball moves and i think anyone could take that and look outside of the rest of their life at the moment in terms of the systems and the stories and the way of being that we live in at the moment that just perpetually needs energy input into it. Right. That if you stop and think about that will leave you feeling extraordinarily fatigued. <laughs> well, of course, because you build up charge, you donate energy. Yes. And then you have to kind of rest yes. and build it up again and donate energy. Mm. And, and there's always the promise. That it will come back to you. That it will come back to you. <laughs> Let's talk about, you know, 50, 60, 50 years of working life and then the retirement. When it'll all come back to you. Does it always come back in the way that you thought? Do you get those years back? Well, there generally tends to be some effect of energy loss as that energy gets passed on through mm. that circuit board and it can take a while to come back around and it's never, yes. it's never an equal measure. And I think one of the other things that I found interesting about the electrical analogy was to consider that for the circuit to operate, everyone has to be connected in it. No one's allowed out because they'll break it. And hence why we fight vehemently to keep people in. In it, yep. And that everyone has to have the same sort of, you have to have almost like a bit of resistance dampened into you so everybody can pass the same level of circuit. So it becomes very homogenous. Right, because everyone's got to be sitting within the same range of current. Yes. Or the same spectrum of vibrational frequency to keep those systems operational. Mm. And of course, what we see happening on the planet right now is that humanity's consciousness is superseding that frequency range. Yes. And so the systems are struggling to mm. keep going and will do really that the belief around the requirement for those systems will do anything that it can to keep human consciousness within that range of operation mm. to keep it going. And the last time we spoke, which was during COVID and Zoom, you talked about the more pressure of consciousness buildup, the more, you know, it's like a web or, or, or like a fabric that gets stretched and you can start to see the holes in it. And I think 
even if you're listening to this and we're only what a week from the election last week the federal election last week i think by the fact even by the result itself if you look at how many people voted for an independent candidate people are starting to see through what's been in place two parties you know i would hope that it won't be too long before we start seeing through the whole game of democracy itself. I think we're getting closer and closer to that as people become more and more disillusioned. Right. I think that's really interesting, actually, because while you're saying that, it occurs to me that the more conscious we become, we stop seeing (laughs) differentiation between individuals within the system and we start to see the differentiation between Hmm. the conscious human and the system itself. Yes. So political parties all start to look the same yeah. in many regards. It, it, it does. It does. And there's. And I'm going to go with the flow because we're jumping all around the book, which is fun. Um, the epilogue itself about being unapologetic. And where are we this week? We're in reconciliation week, <laughs> aren't we? And I sat and I thought about it and I thought. Okay, because over the last years, last couple of years, it's become apparent to me how colonization has affected me individually. Now, that's a big thing to say, because look at me, I'm a white, middle-class, well-to-do male. So how has colonization fucked me up? Well, if I consider the school I went to, the English boys boarding school and what that did, and, and that being a... A, a an arm of this sort of colonization systemized thinking thing and i think it's interesting to look at it now and i, I sat last night and thought about it and, and i thought well whilst yes whilst i was captured by that system i take responsibility for my actions and i am apologetic for them but i can't be apologetic for a system because I am not the system. I exist separate too. And I think if we can, if we can get to that level of nuance and delineation, then we can really progress with things like sorry week and the reconciliation. Well, I think the key word there is rather than existing separate from, we exist regardless of. Yes. And I think that enables regardless, us to bring our yes. wholeness to the system if we're still existing within it. Yes. But what's really interesting about colonization for me is the precursor to colonization is actually super conscious. I love it. That's the pioneership. Yes. So being a pioneer and being an explorer and coming out and discovering new things. Yes. I mean, that really is. That is exciting. That's exciting. And that always precedes colonization. Yes, it's almost like these exciting, open-minded, curious, very brave people went and did amazing things. And then shortly afterwards... The systemization comes in. Yes. And that's the distinction between the conscious human or the new human and a human that's become completely systemized is that the conscious human is the one that's always looking for new discovery yes the less conscious human is one that just wants to settle create boundaries 
containment. Containment, put the rules in and start yes. to get into a repetitious lifestyle. And Yes, and then we have that <laughs> electrical system of control, exactly. repetition, containment. And then we start seeing village industries like risk and compliance and health and safety. And yes. And designated roles and functions and all yes. of those things. Yes, and then we get to this individualized competitive hierarchy mm -hmm. but the unapologetic human which is the epilogue of that book interestingly uh, was brought through while I was in an old Chewett forest down mm. near Busselton so that came after the rest of the content yes and I love that I'm looking at this people on camera can't see but there's this amazing picture of a tree that Bryn has here yeah and actually that information came through my interaction with the trees down there and it occurred to me, speaking about being unapologetic, we are really the only species on the planet that has this concept of an apology. Mm. Mm. Whereas, you know, you see something in nature like a tree, whatever direction it grows in or however it is, there is no concept of getting it wrong. No. <laughs> or it, it, disappointing it, anyone. No, no. It, it, it grows and life is... You know, it's central organizing principle and, and it does what it needs to do. But it's also not by itself in a forest, is it? No, but it's, it's looking at being a part of natural law. And yes. when you're a part of natural law, there is no concept of breaking natural law. Yes. Whereas we exist in these adopted, invented systems of law. Yes. Where, of course, in, apology is inherent because it's separate from natural law. Yes. <laughs> it's really interesting. It, it is, it is. And that's one of the things I was thinking about at the end, which is that if, if we understand that there is this other space that's been created post-pioneering, this repetitious space, um, if that is that has been created and it can you know create repetitious systems that aren't anchored at zero they're not anchored in in natural law and one of the fascinating things i was thinking about as we got towards the end of the book is a third space where that's beyond the two natural law and this thing hmm mm. mm. and yeah, I guess going back to what you were saying earlier on about instead of being a, a wisdom carrier, being more of a void, it has long resonated with me that the answers to many of the existential challenges we face at the moment are beyond the individual horsepower of one person. And it's also beyond what we've done before. And so therefore it has to be new. And I think one of the, re one of the re people who ask me why I paused the podcast is because I got to a place where I was looking for other people to have emergent conversations. So where the previous 200 conversations have been about, like with yourself, like, so what did you do? Where have you come from? Da -da 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 -da. How did you get to this place? And then, you know, let's reflect all across it. I'd done that. Yeah. I've done it to death. It's like a review, isn't it? Yes. But I understood the patterns. 
I now get the patterns. And so now I can see and feel the patterns. Now we can see what else is there beyond the patterns. And that then became who are the people that I can talk to where we can just talk about, well, it may look like we're just talking about stuff, but neither of us are getting captured in what's being spoken about. So one talks to two and we create three and three is really exciting. Well, if you could see the energy field in the room right now and what's happening in the space between the two of us, you mm. can see that we're actually creating new forms. Yes. As we're having this conversation, and that's a co-creation in itself. Yes. So there'll be new ways of looking at things as a result of this conversation that didn't exist before. Yeah, I've got one already with the <laughs> void. <laughs> you know, that's a great, great, um, a great reference to that concept of the body being a void in in history, and we see it in a lot of mythology and a lot of different cultures mm. about living gods becoming stone idols. Mm. And you think back to Greece and Egypt and Babylon and beyond, where you have these incredible super conscious beings. Some people think they were the original humans. I would probably agree with that. Mm. But the more emphasis there became on absorbing information and data, yes, we became storage devices. And yes. of course, thought has mass to it. Yes. And so the more information thought-based information we store and we try to keep in our memories we become heavier and denser and denser and denser and denser until the living gods turn into stone stone yes and then you're pretty unmovable you can't really do too much but you no. can be moved around <laughs> yes <laughs> you now have a function yes you can now be placed on a map that's where you sit that's where you belong. Yes. Very different to sovereignty and freedom. Yes. So for me, the freedom in the hierarchy. Right. So for me, the sovereignty, sovereignty and freedom is in not storing information. Hmm. Hmm. There's something very empowering about sitting in the space of I don't know. I wonder what's going to happen next. Yes. <laughs> what is flowing? Yeah. And, and yes, yeah, certainly if we think about uh, how do we, we being weird, Western, industrialized, educated, rational, democratic, um, how do we generally tend to store, we write it down in books. We, you know, we give it loads of mass and matter and then we put it into libraries. And then we go to university to read the libraries of all the things that have passed. Yet other cultures don't write things down. They tell stories and the yeah. stories are fluid. It comes out of them. Yes. Mm. Again, it's that foo comes out and back in, out and back in. Like it's very difficult to tell a story the same way twice. It's always new. It is, It's isn't always it? different. Yeah. <laughs> it's difficult these days to recollect a memory the same way twice. It is. It, you'll remember it differently each time. Hmm. Have you noticed that your voice is changing? Hmm. The sound of your voice and the tonality and vibration of it? It's got quieter. Because every time you express now, the vibration is slightly different. 
Mm. I'm finding that I forget things, but it seems all right. It's not worrying. It's interesting because when we wrote the first book, which was about the shift from 3D to 5D, that information started coming through in 2010, hmm. so quite some time ago. And one of the key symptoms of people that were, I don't really like to use the word ascension, I like descension better, but um, people that are really beginning to become very conscious is that memory loss begins to happen. You hmm. forget. You forget what you did yesterday. You forget something you just read. Hmm. You forget where you were last week. And so many people from around the world were contacting me saying, I think I have early onset of you know, Alzheimer's or dementia or something's happening here because my memory's going. And yes. it was just such a typical symptom. Yes. The more people become present, the less they're relying on stored information, they start to switch over to the cosmic you know, availability of information. Yeah. And that probably explains why I find at times words so tiresome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, language is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we, so when you arrived, and we were talking about the book, this is for the listener's point of view, and, and I was saying, yeah, I, you know, I took a few notes through it, but the last chapter, I'm going to have to go and draw it. And the drawing is so much more... Yeah, so much more than me just writing a few notes down. Well, we're just developing so much more super capacity in our other senses now mm. as our vibration shifts. One of the most interesting ways I'm finding of communicating and sensing and understanding is actually through touch. Mm. So if you had a concept or an idea or you were viewing something in a particular way, just to touch. Mm. Sorry, my hands are probably really cold. That's <laughs> It's all there. Yes. And I've been playing with that in recent months, and that's quite extraordinary. So that is to be very present in something mm -hmm. that's emerging from the void, and then just to yeah. pass it. It's really amazing. And we live in a culture and a society where touch is becoming increasingly taboo. Yes. And yet it's one of the and most... We've been socially isolated. Yes. <laughs> it's one of the most powerful ways that we can experience and transmit and express new views mm. of the universe and consciousness is actually through touch. You think about infants and they need touch to thrive. Anyone that's studied psychology yes. learns this. Of course, why? Because it's information about the environment, about the conditions of this mm. planet, about the nervous system, about how your body works. So much is transferred through the skin. That's mm. yeah, amazing. There was an interesting part as well, right at the end, where you wrote about the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve seems to be all the thing <laughs> at the moment. I was I actually remember when that question came through and I there was a part of my mind going oh god I don't know anything about the vagus nerve. Yeah. Well it's it's interesting cuz I, I I so 3 years ago out of the blue a lovely lady called Fran Fuller rang me up and invited me to learn how she was teaching a, a group and she invited me to learn how to do trauma release tremoring in my body. So it's bringing on involuntary tremors. And so I went along 
And I had this enormous release and sat in the car and I was crying and I was like, right, this is it, I'm in. And I had this fantastic conversation uh, recently with a guy called Richmond who brought Tremor into Australia. And we had a discussion about my journey further and further into my own nervous system. And, you know, obviously the, the vagus nerve is a key part of that. And one of the ways that it's been described to me is that it's, you know, our, our, our sympathetic nervous system is almost like the security alarm around, your build, around the building. And so what actually is the security alarm picking up? Because it's not, it's not actually physical, you know. Even if I stood here with a knife, right, and I've not done anything yet, you're still, your vagus nerve will be firing off and you'll be into fight or flight. So it's, it's just sitting back and thinking with that, it's not actually something physical that you're picking up on. It's something else, which for an everyday person who everything has to be physical and seen, we're now easily delving into the unseen. Well, I think there's vibration, of yes. course, that our nervous system is automatically attuned hmm. to. But there's something else in what you just said as well, because unless I had a, unless I had seen a knife before or knew what a knife was or had some memory or some kind of mental context hmm. around what that means, would I go into fear? No. Would I react or respond? It's so interesting because there's this mm. whole matrix of belief that our nervous system, it's like a, a veil or a filter that our nervous system senses through. Mm. And I think we really, really underestimate that. And yet when you're totally in present moment, everything is new. And when everything is new, you have no idea what that thing is that the person's holding. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Look at the shape of it. Look how the light glints on it. Mm. Look at the expression on that person's face. I wonder what that means. But we yes. have all of this inherent cellular memory that carries through belief and meaning for us. Yes. Which, of course, we have to have some of because otherwise we wouldn't know how to be human and how to be in yeah. the world. But it becomes so it's saturated. Really walking every day. Right. It becomes yeah. so saturated that all of our choices and reactions and responses tend to be based upon memory rather than what's actually available in the moment. Mm. And when you, when, when, when you sit with that, you realise just how disconnected from reality you actually are. Well, the mind is very focused on what's already happened hmm. rather than what is happening in this moment. Which take us, takes us back to our highly ordered electrical system. Exactly, exactly. And I just love the idea of noticing what's happening in the moment because when you're actually in the moment, every, every aspect of life is an invitation. It's an invitation into more. It's an invitation. And I just love that so much because instead of like in duality, you're say someone's standing there holding a knife and you're in reaction to them. There's this electrical yes. interaction that's happening and lights yes. bouncing off. And what do we do? And Action we do and reaction. associate electrical with the nervous system. Don't we do. We? Action yes. and reaction. But if you're totally in present moment, what you see and the appearance of that is like a doorway that you can actually move through into a new room for a whole new set of experiences.
Mm. So you're never really in reaction to anything. You're always just really curious about what's going to happen. Mm. And it can totally change the permutation of what's possible yes. in that moment. You open up to a whole realm of possibility and probability. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's quite amazing. And in that, the future becomes very exciting and yeah. the unknown becomes exciting. And what used to be fearful or seemed like a threat or a limitation mm. suddenly becomes an opportunity for something new to happen. Mm. It readdresses our, <laughs> our, um, our relationship with the unknown. It does. It does. I was telling actually um, our friend a story the other day about how when I was, I was 16 and I went to Europe for the first time, I was on exchange and it was, it, it ended up being this crazy adventure because I ended up being put with a mafia family and they left the country and I had to kind of figure out what I was going to do for a few months. I know it was crazy. And I was, I was on a train once from Milan coming back to Venice and it was one of those carriages where you have like six people sitting there and you've got those long hallways and they close the doors on those cabins with the seats. And it was, it was mm. a long train ride ahead. It was night time. And there were a lot of people standing in the corridor. So I thought, oh, there's no seats anywhere. And so I walked up and down and sure enough, all of the little compartments were full, but I came across one and there was five people in there and there was one seat in the middle on one side because there were three and three. So I thought, oh, great, I'm going to grab that seat. And as I opened the door to go in, I noticed that all the people in the, in the passageway were kind of going, what is she doing? And I thought, no, it's fine. So I went in there and I sat down and then I looked up and I realized that I was sitting in this little compartment with a neo-Nazi gang, full on swastikas, shaved heads, heads, tattoos on their boys. faces, everything. Yeah. And I thought, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and they couldn't believe it. And, uh, and so I sat down and as I did, I just kind of looked at them and I felt this energy come over me. This is before I actually started channeling, which was a couple of years later. And there were, so there were five of them, four of them instantly fell asleep, like passed out. And then there was one who was still awake. And we started this amazing conversation because I was so present. Yes. And he started to cry and tell me about his history and he was the leader of this gang. We shared a sandwich and about three hours later, train stopped, everyone woke up and we got off the train, but we ex I gave him my address because he said he wanted to write to me. Yeah. And, uh, and I got a letter from him a couple of years later saying that that conversation had completely changed his life. He got out of the gang, he went home, he got married, he had a kid. And uh, it was just amazing how in that present moment there was yes. no fear, it was an opening. Whereas if I had have gone into yes. all of the belief around that, it would have been a reaction experience. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us miss that genuine present connection with others. How many times have you wanted to really explore and talk about something and as soon as you get into a part of it, a part of the awkward emotions, friends want to come in and just make you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> 
really didn't want to feel bad for them. So I don't want to see Ruben. I don't want to see Bren in a shitty place. You know. Oh, when, you too? Yeah. Yeah, I get and that it, sometimes. And it's like, and look, I, I had it last November. I'll be super transparent. I had it last November when our premier decided that it was time to mandate vaccines across across the 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 workplace. I had such existential despair at the fact that there weren't people on the streets rioting about this. Why not? And. I, I just was despairing of the world. And I tried to talk to a few people and it was like, no, 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 it's not like this, Brent. Or, no, come on, like, let's come and do this instead. Let's not think about, you know, and it was, no, no, I need a space to go into that with another person to acknowledge it, to express it, to release it. And in the end, I, I had, I, I had to ring previous podcast guest, Sean Nunnup, and I said, Sean, I need a space. And I don't need you to save me in the space. I was like, all right, I get it. And we, it took 40 minutes of a conversation and it was done. And now I move through, through life with more ease and grace, thanks to that. I love there was, that. There was no requirement to save me. There was no, there was no, my extra charge on the situation was not firing up his extra charge, which was then. Yeah, no action and reaction. No. Because you weren't really looking for a reaction. No, I wasn't. You were just looking for permission to be unapologetic <sighs> about Correct. how you feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I may have uttered the sentence, all I want <laughs> to do is go into Perth and burn the whole thing down. Much like in the closing scenes of Fight Club. <laughs> well, I haven't seen that movie, but I can feel the essence yes. of it when you say it. Yeah. I just want to burn it all down. But anyway. But, you know, fire is fire. You yeah. know, humanity is yeah. getting fired up. And it's important yeah. because fire brings, brings life. We need mm. fire for change. Mm. And I think that we've become so subdued in this electrical sense of society that we have that the only permission we really have to get fiery is if it's building up charge that we can donate or invest into mm. the world. Justifiable we anger. Mm -hmm. mm, mm, mm. We can virtue signal. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a lot in the book we talk about. Um, almost like the reality built on natural law. And then there's the, you, you put forward the introduced coding. Yeah. Um, and that is what we've been talking about, the repetitious control, lack of creativity. But then there's a third thing, which is the human in all of this. I think a lot of us, are becoming acutely aware of this space, the controlling space. A lot of us will be drawn to spend time at the beach or walk in the forest or spend time in the ocean or whatever it is to connect to something that feels more whole and wholesome. But tell us more about the third place. 
which is actually us. Well, I mean, the human is the greatest creative species in this galaxy and probably beyond. So I feel that, you know, we, we function very well when we move with natural law because that's how we're designed to function. Mm. We don't we function. We are of the land. We are. We don't function so well when we, we operate within coding of requirement. And we use that term mm. quite a lot in the book, actually, coding of requirement, <clears throat> because mm. what we find is that there is an underlying drive of requirement mm. that dictates Service, what we duty. do. Exactly. The this stuff is that what's drags required. People to war. <laughs> yeah, so A plus B equals C, therefore we need A and B. Means to an end. Sacrifice. See, we don't really understand what choice is because we've always been asked to choose between A and B, and that's not mm. choice. Choice is when we get to choose from an infinite number of possibilities. So the sovereignty that is available to us as humans is available if we are starting to move back into sitting within natural law and that doesn't mean just being out in nature mm. that means making choices from whatever arises in the moment and not sitting in a sense of requirement and functionality because if you look at how we look at nature even from a coded system of requirement we see all the components of nature and every aspect of nature in this world as having a function mm that then can be commodified or can be categorized or can mm. be understood so we like to assign Measured. function so that we can understand things and we like to understand things so that we can then control them mm. in some way so that's not too different to how we treat ourselves and how we treat humanity we like to assign everyone a function and a role so we know exactly what it does and then we can arrange things the way that we would like it to be. But that's what I call cutting across the cosmic grain. Yes. Because inherently we are energetic beings and if everything is energy, it forms and reforms all the time. We're mm. always in flux. And yes, while encoded systems of reality there are patterns of repetition that occur inherently. We're not really patterned, mm. not as vibrational beings. So we have a challenge right now in this shift in consciousness to move from being very patterned and functional and sitting identifiably as requirements to move back into flow, back into the cosmic flow of natural law so that we can actually start to bring more to this planet, more mm. that's about thriving and less about surviving. Yes, yes. So it's I, the way we do things that can change. I think it was the first page that you talked about adaptation and adaptation to survive, which to me is almost a maladaptation rather than adapting with growth and life and creativity right. and flowing with that. Right. Well, adaptation, I feel, is very different to creation. Yes. Well, the understanding yes. of it, because adaptation is, well, we adapt to what already is. Yes. Rather than we create what is like not that. yet. Yes. So again, one's looking retrospectively and one is looking hmm. forward. Yeah, it's almost the wisdom of the past and the magic of the future. Right. 
So somehow, and I like the way you, you put that actually, see there's your beautiful visual interpretation that you've got retrospective yeah. coding and requirement 3D systems and then you've got the natural law and the multidimensionality for possibility and then you've got the human sitting in the middle. Exactly. Where the interface between the cosmic world mm. and this 3D Earth reality. And we are an entity in our own right that sits in between the two, yeah. making the third. Yeah. I think the trick is not to negotiate. Mm. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> so many people, you know, they move into this space and they think, well, how am I going to live doing this and being functional and doing all the things I need to do and knowing all of this? Mm. And I think the most wonderful thing is that we don't have to choose between one or the other. We can just be aware of both. And in any given moment, our focus can shift from there to there or perhaps to somewhere else. Hmm. Hmm. And the easy way to switch between the two... One might be the right tool for the job. ...is to come back to self. Indeed. <laughs> hmm. Which is why, you know, being present and uh, doing the things that you enjoy that bring you... Yes. ...bring you happiness. Being and, in your body. Yeah, being. Yes. Or meditation for people who enjoy that or... Your ocean swims, mm -hmm. always brings you back to the body because mm. the, the body's the interface. Yes, the space between. Yes, well, actually, my next series is the body is the lens. So if we mm. think about the body as a void space rather than a sum of parts and we look out of it into the world, we Which really we are do. the interface. Which we do. Mm -hmm. So it's all a question of how we see. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. And the shape of our lens keeps changing. Otherwise we'd be really bored, wouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> I would be. It'd be like watching say a movie over I and over again. I would be. It's like, seen Earth, done it, what else? Damn. But yeah, it keeps changing. It's great. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. There's um. There was another bit in the book that I enjoyed. This concept of because it living in Earth feels very full at the moment, full of stuff. And this concept that there's more and more consciousness coming to the planet at the moment mm -hmm. to open up that fabric. Stretch the fabric. Stretch that fabric. And the concept that there might be a lot of people here, but that doesn't necessarily equate to consciousness. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a whole nother topic. I just love it. Um which have been playing with recently because mm. the masters have been coming through in, a, in some more recent content that we've done and talking about how there's actually not so many of us here. Yes. It just appears like there's a lot of us here. Yes. And so I've been playing with that a little bit. And so anyone who really wants to <laughs> have some fun, go out in public and just sit there and watch and start to notice what's just background and what's actually real. Yes. Because within, 
whatever vibrational range of frequency you sit in, there's not 7 billion people or 8 billion people sitting in that range. In the reality that you sit in, only the people that are in a similar vibrational frequency to mm. you actually exist within your dimensional yeah. reality. And the rest of it. I think we can all relate background. to people who are on your on your wavelength. And yeah, but not. to actually begin to realise that in a room full of hundred people, most of them are what I like to call NPCs or non-player characters. Mm. There might be one or two that actually truly exist for you. Mm. So there's not so many of us at any given time. And is all the consciousness that's coming to the planet only held in the humans? And also the more conscious we become, the more collective we become. So the more you hmm. become aware that you're holding multiple points of consciousness at once. So there might be like five of me here hmm. in different forms. Hmm. You're a home <laughs> for all of them. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting. Not so long ago, I had this really strong resonation with a really nice, lovely house that's just down by the river and for a period of time I was convinced that this was I was going to win the lottery and win it which would have been lovely um, except for the fact after a period of time I realised the reason why I was resonating with it was because the house was me oh. and there was lots of rooms in it and even when I thought about owning the house I always thought it would be nice to invite lots of spirit into it and, and lots of people that had spirit and seen and unseen and that it would just be a place full brimming full of life <laughs> and uh, and then it took a while before I realized oh it's not that I'm going to win the lottery it's me that's why I resonate I love that there's lots of room Lots of space within. Mm. But you know, the feeling for everyone state, to turn up. the feeling state you had having that experience means that within your consciousness, you have experienced having that house. Yes. So now you don't actually need to have it physically in reality because you've already had the experience. Indeed. That's living a rich and full life. It is. It is. <laughs> that said, Bryn here in 3D Radic would like a slightly bigger pattern than this one. <laughs> just because I feel like I'm well, you will. beyond the, the, the boundaries of it. You will. Mm. Mm. But again, I, I find it interesting to consider that more and more consciousness is coming to spread this weave, spread this fabric. Oh, definitely. Haven't you noticed all the lights changed and colors are different? Hmm. Everything's becoming more vivid. Oh, yes. And that happens when the fabric of reality that's so saturated becomes so stretched that the light and form inside that, I'm going to use the word simulation, starts to look different. Hmm. So that's already happening now which means there's more space. And if there's more space, there's more opportunity for creation. And we start to feel less claustrophobic. But you know, during COVID, we all felt incredibly claustrophobic with the rules that were going on. Hmm. But at the same time, that you've got to stay here. 
you've got to stay in Western Australia. You've got, which is another conversation as well, you know, I mean, of all the places to be stuck on the world. <laughs> Only the most isolated capital city in the world. But the oldest <laughs> landmass on the planet. Yes. Brimming full of life. Yes. Be stuck here. Don't go anywhere else. Be stuck here. Beyond this land, the oldest land. It's like, I look at it sometimes and it's like, um, oh, what's the party game where you switch, chair, switch music off and you got, you got a oh, musical chairs. Musical chairs, that's, of course. Um, <laughs> see, forgetting. You were close. Forgetting. <laughs> Empty vessel. <laughs> um, I feel like a great game of musical chairs and then COVID was switched the music off and it was like, how blessed am I? Yeah. Yeah, true. I, I have to say I found it challenging not being able mm. to travel. But yes, back to it is being stuck, being in there. And the fact that, you know, many of the external anchors that people and many of us use to define who we are and how we do life are just taken away. Or at the very least, shaken. Yes. And so all of a sudden it's like, ooh, hang on a minute. Well, the, it, it meant that the reference points for who we were started to disappear in many ways. Yes. Like for me, my whole sense of self is being out in the world and traveling and seeing new things and discovering new people. And suddenly all I had was my, and I work from home as well. Yes. <laughs> so I had, I had home and I had my, more importantly, I had my physical body. Yes. And there was nowhere to go. There was nowhere for me, you know, I was talking about the body as a lens and we look out into the world. I, I had to actually direct my focus back to myself for the first time. Yes. Probably in my life. And I became acutely aware of what it feels like mm. to be me. Yes. And what does it feel like in this body? And, and what does it feel like to breathe? And what does my skin feel like? And mm. what do my thoughts feel like? And I've never directed my attention inwards like that before. Mm. I have for the purpose of meditation or the purpose of learning new things, but not with the for absolute- the purpose of. Exactly. Never to just- To go from here to there. To experience what it feels like to mm. be in this human form. And so for me, it's Just been, in your rig. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's been no, no other fabulous. thing, just in your rig. Yeah. And, uh, and during a period of no relationship, so just me, and it was just absolutely amazing because I actually felt what it felt like to be in my own vibration for the first time <laughs> because we're so relational. Everything's about where am I in reference to that? Hmm. I can feel that, therefore I can feel myself. Yes. It's different to that rather than what does this feel like hmm. so it was just yeah amazing period yes and part of natural law is while we are interdependent so all parts are equal and because we're interdependent there is the relationship the other parts of it are that each part plays a part in the whole and each part is a reflection of the whole so for me it was spending that time in my part my part 
as part of the whole, but my part that reflects the whole as well. Yeah, it's actually really difficult to distinguish the personal from the collective experience right now. So anything that you're experiencing within yourself is indicative of what's happening collectively for mm. humanity at this time. Because we're a reflection of the whole. Well, because we're becoming also more conscious of, yeah, yeah. this totality, collective consciousness. Mm. And we can feel into the whole by just coming back into here, not picking up the phone and doing that. <laughs> yes. Or you can do both. You can. You can feel whole while you're texting. You can. I was thinking more doom scrolling. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, that whole staying still is where then all of a sudden, poof, new stuff. Yes. Poof, new ways around. of feeling and seeing and sensing. And hmm. I have to say, I don't think I've ever been in such a sustained period of peace as I am now. And I think that's because there's been this incredible opportunity to just be with self. Yeah. Mm. Thanks, COVID. Mm. <laughs> it's interesting. I often talk, um, one of the things for me that I've found most fascinating about COVID is, right, so, so I went to school in England, right, and we do, at 16 we do GCSEs. At 18, you can do A levels. There are other things you can do, but when I was, they were the primary things. And where, and pretty much, the day you sat your maths GCSE or your maths A level was the day that everybody else in the country was doing it, your age. And they were looking at the same paper as you were looking at. So if you and I had sat the same maths test, even now, 20, 30 years on, We'd go, oh, we sat the same test. Yeah. How did you do? Not necessarily to compare, but then we'd know where we were. And I could, I could see where you were at that point and you could see where I was at that point. Right. But then when you leave school, you go out into the world and there are not these feedback mechanisms. There are not these um, universally applied tests. There are not. So you never really know where everybody else is in the world. Right. You might, you, you might say to me, oh, I'm going through a real drama around X, Y, Z. And I go, well, that's really interesting because I had a drama that was X, Y, W. Not quite the Z, but we had the X, Y that overlaps. So it's kind of the same, you know, and, and I might have gone into it six months before you and this, that and the other. And so we don't, you, you don't really know where you are in relation to everybody around you. You've got a bit of a feel, but you're not sure. Then COVID came along. This has been like the exam where everybody had to sit it at the same time. And it's the same paper, right? <laughs> Everybody's got to do it. And not just individually. We didn't just have to do it individually. Well, we did have to do it individually. But we also had to do it collectively as, as groups and teams, right? And families and things like that. But we also had to then go further and we had to do it as, as organizations and we had to do it as systems of structure and things like that. So it's the things that have gone on within you, the things that go on between you and the things that surround you. Everything, everything had to sit the same test at the same time. 
And it's fantastic because I sit back sometimes and go, well, what mark did everybody get? <laughs> See, I'd call that a reset. Well, yes. Because it's standardization. It, it does. But it also gives you the opportunity of going, if we're resetting, where am I resetting from? What, you know, you talked about, you know, it was the first time being properly, properly back in your body. You know, um, I go to a movement class and Mark, the guy who owns it, it's, reminds you, you know, you're always in your body. You're never not in your body. You might go somewhere else, but you're always in your body. You're always traveling through time and space in your body, whether you're asleep, and he, and he reminds us that you come here for an hour and a half of focused time in your body to learn new movement patterns, but you're always executing movement patterns. It never stops just because it's the end of class and the start of class. It's, you're always in mm. it. Even when you're asleep, you're in your body. It's a question of where your focus is. Yeah, but still, it's always that, which is why it was easy for me to resonate with come back to your body because that's a grounding but your body as well. How much time, you know, COVID, how much time have you spent in your body up to this point? How's your rig doing? How's your time, how's, how comfortable are you to spend time in your body by yourself when the systems of structure have put you in one place and you can't go any further? So for me, it, it, oops, uh, it, it was a fantastic, where are we right now? And then we look at teams. How many families have come through and have been stronger? How many families have gone? Because they were never there in the first place. Mm. And then we look at our systems of structure. You know, how have they done? Well, this sums up my frustration throughout the whole of this. You know, if we look at Western Australia alone, everything was controlled. The Premier would talk and then the Chief of Police would talk. Why the Chief of Police? Because we need to force you into doing what you do. Did we come out of it with greater existential strength? As in, right, we're going into a period of unknown that we've never dealt with before in the way that we've done it. So let's all come together and let's see how we can work with unknown. You know, we're going to spend some time and we're going to force COVID out, right? And in that time, it's an opportunity for you to become more connected with your body and do what you need to do with your body because it's going to, because something's coming in it soon. Did we do that? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine what life would have been like now if we'd actively used what we did. That would be fun. That would be exciting. Yeah. I feel though that the mechanism. But we are where we are, yeah. and it just is what it is, it, it and is. it's all part of source. <laughs> and, and I think the unpredictability of how the um, the goalposts kept shifting and the rules kept shifting, although it was frustrating, was fantastic. It was because was we couldn't fun. plan anything. Yes, we gave up planning. Hmm. So that was yeah, that was mm. an art in itself, wasn't it? not being able to plan anything and starting to learn to be okay with that. Hmm. Present living. <laughs> That's the gift. Becoming an empty void. Yes. 
Is there anything that I haven't <laughs> asked you that you think we should be talking about? <laughs> I'm just enjoying our conversation, Excellent. actually. Thank Excellent. you. <laughs> I always flip it around. Have you got any questions for me? Right <laughs> <laughs> well, I would ask you, how, how difficult or easy are you finding it to start to think about now creating new trajectories about what you want to do and planning for the future? Are you finding it a challenge to do that now since COVID? Or are you finding that there's a renewed impetus to start to plan things? How's that working for you? Um, when I try to plan things in a way that I would have done pre-COVID, I find I struggle to concentrate and I become easily distracted and it goes when I allow things to emerge, then threads start and magic starts to happen. Ah, there's the natural law. <laughs> I love it. Hmm. Summed up beautifully. Thank yes. you, Bryn. <laughs> no, and I'm not just saying that, you know, you're performing sale on the podcast. Um, no, genuinely. Yeah. Genuinely. Yeah, that's it. That's the demonstration of us. I just, I, I, I genuinely, my body gives me this incredible piece of feedback where certain things, because it's, because it's difficult to sum up the nuance that we've gone into in, in different areas of my life, because I haven't got half an hour to explain everything so to speak, as to why I'm not going to be participating in this planning exercise. I, I, I sometimes take a shortcut and just say, do you know what, as, as far as this is concerned, I've broken my give a fuck bone, right? And people are like, oh, right, okay, that's pretty strange coming from you. Normally you can apply yourself with a lot of force and vigor to most things. But now it's just like, I, I genuinely, I, Nothing. Because now, you know, spontaneous creation is the most fruitful creation. It is. And amazing things happen in the present moment that are in a richness and fullness that we couldn't have planned for. Mm. But when we try to plan, you know, sequentially, things well, are planning? even slower. Control. Slower than they used to be. Yes. It's almost slowing it down in some way instead of giving it space to emerge. Mm. So instead of pushing that ball along, we're actually just creating a space for the ball to be. Mm. And then something new and different happens. Mm. Mm. And so, yeah, I'm just getting this incredible physical, emotional, mental feedback of where I'm going and where I'm not. And as, as you say, the stuff that is involved with continually emerging and unfolding and creating in front of me is it's exciting and the energy goes there and then when I put my attention to it I can sustain it for periods of time yeah. and then it has natural finishes yes. and then I have to leave it alone Yes. then I have to leave it and if I try and force it more because this is cool and this is fun and I want some more. Then it's like, no, close shop now. <laughs> and then you go back to this like, 
blanked out phase in front of a computer screen for a while and it's like well I've just fucking wasted two hours haven't I yeah that's the could same, have gone for a walk same way that I do things mm. so I, I I did have some some help for some years in how to set things up and how to how to you know do marketing and how to set up a website and I how remember to run you a business. saying oh and I just found it really difficult to sustain energy for that and now if there's something there to be expressed bam I'll do it if the energy's not there I don't mm. engage because so hear a lot I can't force it well I've done a lot in the first half of this year but I'm <clears throat> pretty sure that in the second half of this year I'm probably not going to be producing a lot of content because I've just done so much already this year because the energy was there for it but mm. I'm certainly not consistent in output mm. so now you're working in in your flow. I am, yeah. You're working in your, you, you feel your cycle, you feel your rhythm. It's not even a cycle. Well, yeah. It's, it's an like, unpredictable it's, pulse yes. of I want to engage and create something. It's one zero. There's nothing going one, on in here yeah. at all. Yeah. <laughs> I've got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so and there's no it's... point in me sitting here looking at the list of things to do if there's no energy to do any of mm. it. I'll just go do something else. Mm. And this is interesting because what is pulling me in now is putting the human back, well, putting the human at the center of team and teamwork and group work, putting the team, uh, putting the human back at the center of organizations in the That's workplace. That's important, yeah. That's important because the, the new systems on the planet are going to be human systems. Yes. At the moment, we're humans that exist within systems. Yes. And they that's are not sustainable. Human and life are not the central organizing principle. Mm. Something else is. Yeah. So that they need to become hmm. systems of resonant humans. And I'm, I'm actually doing some work around that at the moment with hmm. certain people. So, yeah, that's going to be more fruitful for our planet, I think. Hmm. This has been a great conversation. <laughs> Always. Always. Is there anything else we've not? Well, there's always more. Well, there's always more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Perhaps in another time. <laughs> volume four of the conversation. <laughs> but no, I think, yeah, I've enjoyed the conversation because it's been based on the book without us just going, and then in chapter six, that was fun. Oh, that would require me to read it. <laughs> Have you read it? No. No. You just channeled it out. I produce it. I do about five rounds of editing with an with an editor. Yeah. And then I don't read it. Hmm. I did pick it up last night because I thought, oh gosh, Bryn's going to talk to me about this book. <laughs> and I opened it up to a few pages and read it before. A few pages before I went to sleep, but I have not read the book from start to finish. I never read my books. Yeah. Because the the energy with which they're created is very different from going back and visiting it yeah. again. And why would you be reading them now? Because I You'd just only clog up the because void. I just burn. Yeah, I you just, clog up the void. I give them away. Indeed. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> As always. Always. Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs> and um, so one of the questions I like to ask my guests at the end is if you could chill everyone out on the planet and they all had to sit down 
and consider a question which you've just uploaded into the collective consciousness, what would it be? Where are you? Love it. Because <laughs> it's never where you think. <laughs> Gold. Gold. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bryn. It was Here's beautiful to be here with you again. More magic. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs>